Welcome to another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney as we get you ready for the Jaguars-Titans game. Uh, this has been an interesting week around the team, to say the least. Uh, it all started with a lot of conversation centering around running back James Robinson. Uh, against the Rams last week, James Robinson fumbled on the second play of the game after he was uh, manhandled by Aaron Donald. No shame in that. No no shame in that. Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in the league, and uh, he shows why typically on a weekend and week-out basis, and that was just one of those plays. Well, after that fumble, he spent the majority of the, the first half, 20 plays to be totaled, uh, on the sideline watching as Carlos Hyde, LaVishka Chenault uh, handled some running back duties. Uh Urban Meyer's answers for the questions of why James Robinson spent uh, so long on the sideline have ranged from they had health concerns to uh, it was the running back's coach responsibility to rotate running backs all the way to uh, he just wasn't happy with the way James Robinson has been clamping the football. Uh, so we've had a couple of different reasonings behind it. and uh, I, think, I think Meyer's floppiness on this issue made it so much worse. That's exactly what it was because and he never just if he just said I benched him because he fumbled. Absolutely. It would have been over with. Instead of coming back and again after the game I thought he came off as very um, just incompetent and then Monday he made it worse. I delegate, I do this, I do that, have to ask the running backs coach. It totally did not answer the question. He, he really, when he was asked why was James Robinson in the game, you know, Urban, really in this whole situation, he's come across as aloof, disconnected, um, and just not plugged into the inner workings of his team. You know, he's uh, you know, he spun this originally as James Robinson's injured, we're limiting his touches, we have to, you know, he's on a pitch count, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that... If you if you believe that, okay, that's that's fine. Well, it but, didn't make sense because thirty points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, again, he's so, still in the game, so, so you weren't that concerned you, about you his put, health or pitch count. You put a uh, a guy who you say earlier in a press conference is is on a pitch count, he's limited. You want to hold off on him, and then he's in the game. For one, you're not running the ball down thirty points. Okay, there's no there's no reason to have your guy in there. So. Uh, he just again, he comes across as disconnected in the loop. He pushed things off on Bernie Parmalee, the running back coach. Um, and you know, he was asked, you know, Urban, you're a micromanager every stop you've ever had. You expect us to believe that you don't know what's going on with your your running backs. And you know, Urban gave a response of, you know, well, I've learned not to be a micromanager. I've learned to kind of take my foot off the gas. But his just answers and waffling on the subject and not giving a straight answer has made the situation so much worse. And then James Robinson goes uh, on another local media outlet and says, hey, why am I in the game here still? I think I um, you know, should be on the field more. I should be getting touches in the first half. I shouldn't be benched. And you know, Urban finally came out later in the week and says, yeah, you're putting the ball on the ground, you're going to get benched. So had Urban said that Sunday after the game in Monday's press conference, James Robinson's on the bench because he's fumbled twice in the last – 25 carries, or the you know the running backs combined have three fumbles in the last 25 carries at that point. Urban said that's why they're on the bench. That's why they're not playing. So instead of delegating, pushing responsibility off to an assistant coach, coming across as just um, you know not connected to his team, which is not the first time that's happened. I think Urban took a situation that could have been addressed on Monday. Um, you know we expect more from our players. We can't have them putting them on the ground early in a game uh, like that for the second straight week. Um, and ended it there, as opposed to dragging this on and giving this legs for three more days. Just another misstep of Urban Meyer. Well, here's my problem. He pushed it off on the running back coach, a running back coach that he knows has no media availability and can't answer any questions. So he, uh, it's that guy's fault. 
You know, he's re- responsible for this. I got nothing to do with it. I know you guys can't ask him any questions. He can't say, no, I don't, that's not my call. So I had a problem. That's where my first issue came from. My next one comes from the fact that he says, well, James Robinson fumbled the ball, and that's the problem. All right, that's great. Well, the first time he fumbled it against the Falcons, he also was pulled from the game that time yep. for 17 plays. Absolutely. That was his yep. first fumble this season. He was pulled from the game for 17 plays. Carlos Hyde fumbled in the Rams game. He was not pulled from the game for even 10 plays. Yeah, it, it's it's the handling. You have to be consistent. He Urban even brought it up. He said, "Well, we threw Laquan Treadwell a pass, and he made a play, but we I thought, thought he about would, pulling. Yeah, him. we thought about pulling him. I, I I told him he has to tote the ball tighter. Like, you mean to tell me Laquan Treadwell has a little bit more leeway than James Robinson getting body slammed by Aaron Donald? Like, come on. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't come make on. sense. It doesn't. It, it, there's nothing wrong with sense. playing favorites. Okay, there's nothing wrong that that Carlos Hyde played for Urban. That's his guy. Nothing wrong with that. That's just that's that's part of life at any level, whether it be a, a job at a, at Publix or you know in the NFL. That's just how it happens. Favorites and and that is. But James Robinson is your best offensive threat, and don't paint a picture. And this is you know this is the Urban Liar mentality of what bit him at Florida, and he was just dishonest or kind of misconstrued uh, answers. You know don't play it off as if you know oh, we're 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 taking the the foot off the accelerator, James. He's been banged up with a heel and knee and you know we want to save him for for these final five games and then by the way oh yeah he's in the game in a 30 point difference at the time still getting care I mean it makes no sense I mean so I just think Urban has I don't think he's connected to the team I think he's um, he's delegated far too much I think that is just his inexperience with things and I think his answers have made him look even worse than it actually is. I think it's it, he's come across as I've used the word aloof and disconnected. And hey, I've got to go back and answer, ask the running back coach. Or, I've got to ask Bev uh, why this happened. You're the head coach of an NFL team. You don't have to go back and ask your subordinates. Hey, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why? You think Bill Belichick would say, uh, you know, I don't know. I've got to go ask uh, Josh on that. No, he would. No. He's, he's not answering that. You're the the face of the franchise. The buck stops with you. You should have the answers. You don't need to delegate. Don't have to stand, beside, you know, give a charade answers. It's just another bad look for the, Urban. He had, it, time and time again, he keeps showing us that he's not sure what's going on around him. I mean, I, like, I'm struggling at this point to really figure out what Urban's responsibilities on game day are. So, originally, when he started talking about the James Robinson situation, he said, you know, James Robinson was banged up. He may have been with the trainers, and I can't rush the medical advice and things like that. Okay, you know what? That's reasonable, except for the fact that you send him back in in the fourth quarter down 30. Uh, that, that's another conversation, I suppose. But as you continue to, to go down this road with him, as he, he says that, he, he finally gets to the point where, you know, I wasn't paying attention to how long James Robinson was on the sideline because I was so concerned with my cornerback situation and trying to figure out if we could get Tyson Campbell back into the game because he left the game with an injury. Well, Tyson Campbell was with the trainers, and Tyson Campbell did have an injury. So, again, why is it when you ask about James Robinson's health, oh, well, I can't rush the trainers, we just have to listen to the medical advice. But with Tyson Campbell, you can rush the trainers and not – like, that, that doesn't make sense. It's not consistent there. Like, you know what cornerbacks you brought into the game. If Tyson's gone, then clearly there's a, there is a, a pecking order. It's not that complicated. Why are you more concerned when the offense is on the field what the hell the defense is doing on the sideline? That makes no sense. Bill Belichick would know 
why is my star running back not on the game? That's like if they pulled Trevor from the game. I, everybody knows that he's not on the field. You have to be conscious of that as a coach. I am not sure what this man's game day responsibilities are because every time there's a bad decision made in the game, his response is, I don't micromanage my coaches. Then what do you do? Yeah, it, it's what. What is your responsibility? And, and Urban has been a micromanager at every level, and maybe he's learned to adapt and adjust. And but as a head coach, your job is to micromanage. Exactly. You, you want I have no problem with saying that the pro, the right way to run a business is the boss should surround themselves with smarter people. That is one hundred percent correct. And I would love to think that Urban is that central figure who has surrounded himself with smart people. But. He should be the check and balance guy where if one of those smart people is just being too smart and does something stupid, that he should be like, ah, ah wait a minute, a flea flicker on the 20-yard line? Let's not do that. Uh, James Robinson hanging out on the sideline for 20 plays? Nah, that's probably not a good idea. A, yeah. Hey, let's send Tyron Johnson on the field and just run him 60 yards and see if he can get if he can do something and stretch and, the safety. And I think it, 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 it has just been this way most of the season. It's delegate. It's I've got to ask Bev. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I mean, is that truly Urban Meyer in the NFL? I mean, I don't think this has been Urban Meyer at Florida. I don't think this has been Urban at Ohio State. I I think he would be so into coaches and saying, why is Carlos Hyde at Ohio State not in the field and running the ball? Why is he on the bench? Why? Yeah, You don't leave your best player on the bench for 18 to 20 plays a game. I mean, it wouldn't have happened at Florida, Ohio State. I mean, it would not have done that. Why is it happening in the NFL? And I just think some of the answers for uh, for Urban this year and these pressers have come across as, you know, what is he doing? And, you know, he mentioned, you know, I'm, an, I'm a coach. I don't need to be worrying about, uh, you know, what foot the guy is rushing off in the three-point stance. I don't need to worry about all these nuances of the game, and that's why I delegate to coaches. But James Robinson, I mean, we're not talking about what foot the left edge rusher is pushing off of to, to beat his offensive lineman. We're talking about a large part of your offense, arguably your best one, is on the bench for 20 plays after a fumble, and you've got a lesser player in there, uh, Carlos Hyde, and, and I still think James Robinson banged up is better than Carlos Hyde full strength. Urban even said it. He it, said we decided James Robinson was our best option at running back. Then why aren't you playing him? This, like, this is a big picture thing. It's not like, like you said, it's not a, a foot placement. It's not hand placement. Let your coaches handle that. And this I'll, is big placement and I or like, big picture. I like that Trevor Lawrence came out yeah. and, this week and, and amidst all this hubbub, and you know, we wanted to hear from Trevor and say, "Hey, what, what are we, as a media, overinflating James Robinson's value to this team? Do we think he's, you know, just a guy who got yardage last year? Are we overestimating James Robinson's value? It seems like the coaching staff has underestimated James. They've not really valued him. Are we doing that as a, as, you know, are fans doing that? Is the media doing that?" Are we saying James Robinson is the best player and he's really not? No. Trevor Lawrence came out this week on Wednesday and said, quote, bottom line, James is James is one of our best players and he's got to be on the field and we addressed it. And I feel like we're in a good spot and the whole team, we're good. Whatever may have happened, I honestly don't even know everything that went into it. I'm playing the game and stuff happens on the sideline with coaching decisions. I don't really get into that, but I know and I voiced my opinion. James is one of our best players and he's got to be in the game, quote. So there you have it from the franchise quarterback. He's saying James is one of the best players. I feel more comfortable with James in there. We address this situation. Don't freaking let it happen again. It makes no sense. It shouldn't have happened to start with. And when your rookie quarterback is having to stand up and voice his opinion to say, hey, uh, 
can I have my running back on the field? That's a problem to start in and of itself. That is an issue. And, I mean, I think we're starting to see more and more issues pile up, and now we're starting to see more and more coaches looking for the door in their way out. I mean, now we have reports that Tyler Bowen, the tight end coach, is going to be going back to college. He'll be an offensive court. He has uh, reports that he's accepted a position to be the offensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. And then there's reports that the Jaguars defensive line coach, Tosh Lapoy, is going to be joining Billy Napier's staff at Florida. So that would be two coaches off the Jaguars staff that uh, have decided that they won't be returning for next season. That would be the sixth hire from Urban Meyer in his short tenure that will no longer be with the Jaguars uh, by next year. And I, I expect that there be will end up being more turnover. The question is, is are these rats deserting the ship as it goes down? Or are these just coaches that see the right no, or, or that are just tired of what's going on in the building and saying, you know what, I got a better opportunity. I'm going to get I, out. Probably a little bit of both. I mean, every, every team, organization, you know, again, beyond football, still – will have opportunities elsewhere. And, you know, Tyler Bowen, the offense, I mean, it's a promotion for him. Yes. Um, you're, you're one, probably even one step away from being a head coach. I mean, you're an offensive corner at a Power 5 school. Um, so if that comes to fruition, good for him. Uh, you know, and Urban addressed this uh, on Friday, said, hey, hey, I lost Dan Mullen when I was at Florida and Mississippi State. You know, I've lost Tom Herman. Um, you lose good coaches when you have a good program. And obviously the Jaguars are not a good program. No. But, you know, those guys have college ties to begin with. So, um, if that comes to fruition, I mean, best of luck to those guys and, and Jacksonville will replace them. But I think it could be a little bit of, hey, I could go be an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school, uh, compete for an ACC title, or I can stay here with the Jaguars and, you know, I may not have a job in uh, a year and a half, two years from now. So uh, probably the right move for those guys. Oh, definitely the, the correct career move for him. Uh, the interesting thing is that the majority of the time you don't see struggling teams, coaching staffs getting – pillaged like this now successful teams by all means their coaches get hired and go all over the place and then they're constantly replacing those coaches but a team that's won two games like how many coaches off the lions coaching staff have been hired them all you you know like (laughs) none of the coaches like we're not hearing that mark brunel is is getting offered an offensive coordinator job somewhere uh aaron glenn isn't getting they're not taking offers but it's not that they're not taking them it's that they're not coming because you're coaching on a struggling team that's generally how it works so it's interesting that some of these coaches are at least still highly enough viewed in college that they do have offers coming in and it's interesting that some of them are going back to those college ranks instead of saying you know what we'll stay in the NFL so it's something that we'll keep on keep our eye on because we do expect that there's going to be some more turnover uh Maybe some of the guys that don't necessarily want to leave that Urban's going to be showing the door probably once the season's over with. Uh, A lot of those offensive coaches. Yeah, I think that's a a given. You've got to do something. I think to keep Shad's trust, um, I do think Urban will be back next year. I don't think Shad is going to – Urban's got a long leash in Jacksonville. Maybe a little bit shorter after his uh, missteps this year and um, in the the offseason with George Doyle hiring and stuff. But I do think Urban's got a little bit of a longer leash. I do think there will be turnover, maybe even Trent Baalke. Um, I think an offensive coordinator reset is um, is, is coming along the way, um, but you got to do something. You got to do something. Yeah, we've talked about Balky a few times. I just don't see him coming back. Here, here's I'll throw something out here. Uh, you know, the longer we know that Daryl Bevel's basically gone. 
I mean, everybody can see the writing on the wall for that at this point. Does the longer Dan Mullen's name just silently sits on the market without being connected to any jobs make the chances of him landing that offensive coordinator job here just increased by the day? Because the, the longer he's just quiet and he's not being connected to anything in the college football world, the more I'm like, He's sitting here waiting. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you have to understand with Meyer, I mean, he, he insulated himself with NFL guys, his, you know, with his first kind of offseason, guys with the NFL experience. Um, and Dan doesn't have that. No, so. he doesn't. But here's what the way I looked at it. And when I started thinking about it, I said he got burned by Daryl Bevel. And he admitted that Bevel wasn't a coach that he knew prior to this. He came highly recommended from guys like Russell Wilson and that's why, or that's what influenced Urban Meyer to, to interview him and hire him ultimately was the recommendation from some of those young quarterbacks like a guy like Russell Wilson because he didn't have a previous relationship with him. You get burned by a guy you didn't know and didn't know as a coach. He comes in, the offense stinks, you're not communicating, you're not on the same page. You're going to go back and say, you know what? I got burned by what I didn't know. Why not go with a guy that I know very well? And I, I think Dan wants in the NFL. Uh, and would he be willing to take an offensive coordinator job to get there? Maybe. Yeah, I don't I, think you know. the NFL team's going to hire Dan Mullen. I don't as know. A head I mean, coach. no. no oh, coach. as a head coach, no. As a no. coordinator, I mean, he's got no NFL experience. You know, there were there were reports. Neither did Irvin. Even even going <laughs> into this season, that Dan Mullen wasn't happy with a college game. He wanted to get his foot in the door in the NFL. This might be it. Would, I mean, is I'm, he a, is he a guy that goes straight from the unemployment line to offensive coordinator? Is he a quarterbacks coach next year for the Jaguars? I don't know. I th- I think if he comes in, I think he's the OC. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I just I just have this sneaky suspicion. The long, I mean, he's tweeted something today about running in Florida, and I'm like, eh, okay, what are we doing here? I, I, I don't know. I just I, I have the sneaky suspicion that day by day, as his name just quietly sits on the market, as these co- college coaching jobs fill up, I don't think he's out of a job next year. I think he's here in Jacksonville. It's just I, at one point I was like, ah, no, nah, that's not gonna happen, and now slowly it's just growing, and I feel like I like it's just. Knocking on the other side of the door. Steve Adazio out on the market too. A former, it could be the reuni- reunification of Meyer staff and and uh, Jacksonville, huh? I mean, hey, you know, in, you never know. It, we'll see what happens. I mean, like I said, once you get burned by some guys that you weren't connected to, he admitted that he didn't know Bevel, and uh, it, we can see how bad the, this uh, offense has been, and it's still on track to possibly be one of the worst offenses in Jaguars franchise history. That's unbelievable. Exactly, that is unbelievable. It, 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 depending on how they wrap up the season, I think they have to average. I'd have to do the numbers again, but I think they're right at like ten or eleven yeah. points, something yeah. like that. The rest of the way, they have to average over that in order to. Actually, I think it's thirteen. It's, now. it's like thirteen to fourteen. They have to hit yeah. that every game in to order to that. not be the worst team, the worst offense in Jaguars franchise. And this, we have seventeen games this year, and and Blaine Gabbert was here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, like you got to think about it when you say the worst in franchise history. Think back to some of the the rough years and the, some of the rough offenses in this. The 27th year of the franchise, yes. and this has been a franchise that has been dogged with terrible draft picks, bad offenses. I mean, you look at the most consistent offenses back when Mark Brunell was here with Jimmy I mean, Smith, Keenan McCardle, Fred Taylor, and since then, it has been just a, a combination of bad, I mean, Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney, uh, you say what you want about Minshew, those offenses were not anything consistent. Um, it's just been it has been terrible. So so to say you're pressing up against 
possibly being the worst scoring offense in 27 years of an already bad franchise, that's that's saying something. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. And, uh, you know, it's a combination of play calling and talent. I mean, if we sat here and just really sat through the talent, I mean, we could go back and say, you know, compare this to certain years, and this team would probably – at least the offense, arguably the least amount of talent that the Jaguars have ever had. I mean, you it – It'd probably be comparing it to a year with MJD or something. Like, would you take MJD over James Robinson? Oh, absolutely. You, you yeah. definitely would. You'd probably take Trevor over what would have been Blaine Gabbard at the time. But would you take a healthy, was that Alan Hearns or Cecil Shorts then? Um, but, I mean, you'd take Mercedes Lewis at tight end over what they got. I mean, regardless, they're, 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 you start looking at the comparisons, and it's, it's close. Like, this year has not – they did not surround this offense with enough talent. And it's showing at this point. Yeah, it's, it's shown since week one, yeah, unfortunately. It, it's not been uh, any kind of you – know, we beat this drum before. I mean, at this point in the season, your offense should have an identity, should have taken steps forward. And, yeah, I, I don't – Trevor's not the reason this offense is bad. And I know no. people keep saying, oh, media needs to hold them accountable. But, again, you've come into this league, you're expected to do great things, and then you're handed – uh, the keys to a Hyundai and expect you to win the Daytona 500, and that's what they did with Trevor, and it's showing. He cannot win alone. He doesn't have a great ground game behind him. Offensive line is average. Receivers, tight ends, terrible across the board. Um, and I do think, I mean, when you look at collection of talent on some of those older teams, um, when Mercedes and MJD came in here, I mean, those teams were bad, 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 bad. You know, the Blaine Gabbert years were lean, um, but I still think, I mean, when you put this team in comparison with those 2011, 2012 teams, it's just – it blows my mind that in 2021 we're still – we're talking about possibly the worst Jaguars team in history. I mean, I think the offensive staff has handcuffed Trevor Lawrence a lot. Um, from what I've been told, the, uh, the, the Daryl Bevel is giving Trevor very specific reads on plays and, like, you want, I want you to read here, then here, and not letting him just – go out on the field and play football the way he always has. He's given him very specific things that he wants where he wants him to throw the ball. Uh, but at, and the other end of that is Trevor can't go out and take shots. I mean, you saw in the first couple of weeks of the season, he went out there and he was stretching the ball down the field. He was taking shots. The problem was because his guys aren't making the plays, the defense was making the plays. Were there a few bad throws during that time? Sure, but a lot of just bad plays were being made. Uh, from from the receivers to go along with that. So uh, if he goes out and he's conservative, the offense doesn't move the football. If he goes out and he's too aggressive, then he possibly puts the team in a place where they have at least no shot of winning the game. All right, and right now, at the very least, his conservative is keeping him in the game in the first half before it really gets ugly. So, I mean, I guess it's a, a, a you know – no no way to win in this situation right now because if he starts throwing the ball down the field, the safeties are just going to kill him because mm-hmm. he has no receivers that are going to get separation from those corners. Uh, you're either going to – you're hoping for an incompletion the majority of the time you start taking those shots. And if not, it's an interception, which is a turnover you're right off the field. And, I mean, I guess, you know, when it, you're going three and out, at the end of the day that is equivalent to a short punt most of the time, but – uh, you know, it, it, there's no win in this situation for him. He can either go out there and throw a bunch of interceptions and people are going to say he's a flop, or he can go out, be conservative, try and keep his team in the game and keep the ball as best he can, and then people are going to say he's a flop. Right now, there's no win. There's no, there's nothing. And we've heard, you know, we've heard the 
he's a flop, probably starting in week maybe after, you know, maybe week six. Um, and I know they won against Miami going to the bye, but I would say pro- actually probably after that bye. We started hearing that, um, you know, that Seahawks game when he struggled, garbage time touchdown, no touchdowns against the Bills, even though they won. And it's, I mean, it's just been a collection of errors. And again, I mean, rookie quarterbacks struggle to begin with, and they're not all Andrew Lux. It, it's not guy Joe Burrow. I mean, another guy who had a solid start and then, you know, season into injury. We don't have that's it's not happening every year. Look how every other rookie quarterback has struggled. Mac Jones has had a good year, but I mean, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. It's not been a, a good year for these rookie quarterbacks, and I think a lot of that is just they're not put in the best situations. No. Again, you know. People say, oh, Mac Jones, we should have got Mac Jones as opposed to Trevor. He's a bust. But we've talked about this before. Put Trevor Lawrence in that Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels offense, and he is lighting it up right now, probably better than Mac Jones. So it's the infrastructure in place. The coaching is bad. Um, There's nothing that Trevor can kind of hang his hat on. It's just inconsistent. And I think with a better offensive coordinator and coaching staff next year, um, you, you hope he untaps that potential. I don't think he's a flop. I, I think people who say that are foolish at this stage in his career and the development. He's 12 games into your rookie year on arguably the worst coaching staff that this franchise has ever seen, and you're calling the kid a flop. I think Trevor Lawrence, give him time to throw, give him another full offseason uh, in, a, in a coaching staff that knows what they're doing, and the sky's the limit for him. And think about it. Uh, that game last week from the Patriots probably should tell you everything you need to know about where that team is, is uh, that roster is. I mean, I think Mac Jones threw three passes, two completions. Do you think Trevor Lawrence could go out into a game and throw three passes and have two completions and the Jaguars win? Absolutely not. Do you think the Jaguars would be in the game? No, it, it's all about it, infrastructure. It's all about coaching. And Mac Jones walked into a situation, obviously the the best coach in NFL history, an offensive staff that's been there for a while. You walk into that situation, you can't not succeed. You know, I mean, Mac Jones struggled early on. Um, and he's hit his rhythm, and it's, it's uh, you know, that progression with him has been quicker um, than Trevor because he went into a good organization with something already set up, and, you know, you're replacing Tom Brady, and, you know, you've got something in place to build on. You've got good receivers, good tight ends around you, um, and Mac Jones, they gave him the best possible situation to succeed, and uh, Jacksonville has done the complete opposite of that. They have not given Trevor any tools to succeed, and um, if you can make the example, you've set him up to fail. Yeah, uh, it does. It looks like you've set him up to fail. And I guess now we're just seeing it all play out together as as it's been set up, and it's not a, it's not a pretty picture. All right, I guess to this week's game, taking on the Titans. No Derrick Henry for the Titans. Uh, we're still waiting to see if Julio Jones, who is back practicing, will end up being activated for this weekend's game. But... Uh, this game in Nashville could get ugly. Yeah, I think it – you know, it, without Derrick Henry, I think it changes the game, obviously. Um, Derrick Henry is, you know, a you monster. really need to talk about him. Yeah. He just kills every team he plays. Uh, broke his foot in the October 31st game. He hasn't played since. Could come back to end the season, but this is the last time uh, that the Titans and Jags are going to see each other this year. So, the last time uh, they saw him in, uh, what, week three – um, week two or week three of the season, and uh, it's just not – it wasn't good back then. Derrick Henry was Derrick Henry. Um, so I think with, with Urban Meyer this week, they're focusing on that offensive line of the Titans. How can they exploit it, get through, 
You've got a collection of running backs now. It's not the one guy. It's not Derrick Henry you have to tackle. You know, it's it's a committee approach, kind of just average Joes in the backfield. But they ran for 270 against the Patriots two weeks ago yep. um, and went into their bye with a loss. But nonetheless, you run for a season high in yardage. So I think the big thing for Joe Cullen and, and Urban Meyer this week is find ways to crack that offensive line, get some pressure on the backfield, make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And, um, you know, hang your hat on that. I think the defense is set up much better this week than it was before when they played Derrick Henry and the Titans. And I think that um, if they can keep the ball at close, if they can keep things in control at the line of scrimmage, I think they've got a good chance to, to beat in this game, which is um, kind of an about face from where I've been in recent weeks. Um, I don't think they win in Nashville, but I do think this game uh, will be a little bit closer if they can, uh, you know, kind of assert their dominance at that line of scrimmage. Yeah, and they, they need to win the line of scrimmage on both sides. Last time, James Robinson had like 130 yards rushing against the Titans. Maybe, just maybe, since there's been so much pressure around, hey, put James Robinson on the field this week, they're going to, you know, feed him and hand him the ball. Yeah, we've heard which, we've heard from Trevor, put James Lawrence in the ball, James Robinson in the field, and yep. give him 25 carries. So he, he should high against the Titans last week, last time. No idea why that he hasn't been getting 20 carries a game. No reason why this guy has not been been getting 20 carries a game. Not on this team. There's not a reason, no. that, uh, not a cons- or a good reason anyway. Career rushing yardage against the Titans earlier this season. Can, again, he's on a cheap deal. You're probably not going to, you know, James Robinson's not your future running back if you're the Jaguars. Run the heck out of James Robinson. Get your money's worth out of him. Get that mileage on him. Travis Etienne's going to be the guy when he's healthy. You, they're not married to James Robinson. He's your best offensive threat now. Use him while you can. Yes. Use him while you can if you're Urban Meyer and those guys. I mean, Carlos Hyde's not getting it done. Trevor and the, the passing game have been horrible. James Robinson's your one proven guy, and you continue to, to A, try to, try to alienate the guy, and B, not use him for some unknown reason. Run the heck out of James Robinson. Running back to life is short in the NFL. You're not married to him. Give him the ball 25 times and win the, you know, go into the game that way. Go into the game that way and run the mess out of James Robinson. You almost said win there. Are, are you picking the Jaguars no, to win no, this I, week? I cannot do that. <laughs> I cannot. I don't think that's happening. But I do think it'll be a closer game uh, You know, just with Jackson. If they can change that pressure at the line of scrimmage, I do think it'll be a closer game um, than we've seen in, in recent weeks. Um, I know the – Winning in Nashville is, is not in the cards for the Jag. They haven't won there since 2013. They played a lot of close games there, but they've lost four in a row coming into this game to the Titans. Um, you just you, you're not playing well on anything. But I think you know you, you kind of shook the apple tree this week with James Robinson and getting Trevor speaking up on James. I do think you're going to see James uh, included in the game plan more than he's been in hopefully in the last uh, since the last Titans game. So I think you need to run. James Robinson's wheels off in this game, and um, I think we're going to see that this week. Yeah, I, I, I think that we'll see a lot of uh, James Robinson, and the hope is that that can help keep the game close. Uh, here's the, the more pressing question, because I'm not picking the Jaguars to win either. Do they score more than 10 points? I think so. I think if we're going to go ahead and lay the predictions out on the line. I think Titans this week, I think it's closer than expected. I think it's 23-13 Titans. Jags uh, finally get into the end zone. Trevor Lawrence touching touchdown pass just would be his third one since the break. Um, so it's just unbelievable. Six touchdowns in six weeks for this team. Four rushing TDs, couple passing TDs. I, I still don't think they are able to pass the ball. I think you run James Robinson 
Um, but I do think Trevor throws a touchdown this week. It's a 10-point game. It's close for a half, which seems to be uh, all the Jaguars are capable of giving fans these days. But uh, another loss in Nashville, street grows for another year. Yeah, it. I, I'm not thinking heavily of it. At this point, with the offense, I'm thinking 20-7. to 7. Yeah, I'll give the Jags a touchdown, but I'm not giving them more than one. Man, it, we've I gotten just, to the point where we're, we're picking – Giving them touchdowns, two yeah. touchdowns. If we're it, going it, out of the box, we're thinking two touchdowns for this team. That shows you how bad. Things that's how are bad here. the offense is, and you know, I at this point, I'm not confident that they're not going to break that record. I think this will end up being the worst scoring offense in franchise history. They have tough games down the schedule, games that I'm not sure that they will score in at all. So, uh, yeah, I think this is going to go down in history as terrible as you know, Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer, worst offense in franchise history when the season's all said and done. Uh, so we'll we'll just see how it all shakes out. Yeah. Do you think they win right now? They've got a five-game season. They're two and ten. Do you think they win any of those remaining five? Maybe the Jets. Maybe the Jets. That, Jets, Jets and Texans. One. Jets and Texans. I think are are winnable games. The Texans are also yeah. Those are the two winnables. I don't. I just. I don't know. I, it's tough to pick them to win any games, but. I could see the Jets, I could see the Texans, but outside of that, those no, are the only two of the I, games you got yeah. a shot in. I think you could you could conceivably win like, two of those five. Like and they should, the whole team could scenario. get COVID and skip the Patriots game because it's not happening. Uh, it, it, it just just for safety purposes, just everybody just no, we're good forfeit. I, I don't know, but it's gonna be bad. There there are some bad games left for this Jags team, so it's gonna be a rough rest of the way, but. We'll be here every week with another News for Jags podcast. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll check in with you after the Titans game.